You're tuned in to Vocalo Radio 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Biko, and alongside me, I have a brilliant young man that's been doing things for the Chicago music scene and, and beyond. He goes by the name of Vic Mensa. How you doing, Vic? What's going on, brother? It's all blessed. This is like our second time. Yes, sir. First time uh, was over Zoom. Um, you know how that go. And you put me in tune with some, some things. Uh, your energy has always been pure. And yet again, you know, uh, we meet again I in person. I appreciate you for having me, Biko. Hey, same, Vic. Now, you were recently in Africa. You done made several trips to, yes, uh, was it Ghana? In Ghana, yes, sir. I you... just left maybe three weeks ago, actually. And this time, I took a group of eight high school students mm-hmm. from Chicago, high school seniors, to Ghana and had them meet with leaders in the fields of film and fashion and technology, people from the president's office, um, with the intention of giving them a life-changing experience, which was accomplished. Mm. Um, And the larger movement of connecting black people globally, like that's my mission. Like, what did you accomplish for yourself knowing that you were able to take some kids from Chicago over to the promised land? It it was a heavy spiritual, emotional experience. You know, once it dawned on me that we had really pulled it off, you know, myself, um, my brother Mike Abrantier, Duimo, um, we had a team of us that started working on this a year and a half ago. And... um, we connected with a Chicago organization called the Academy Group that is run by a man named Shane Evans, who's been like a mentor to, you know, some of us in different ways and actually has been running youth programs for decades. Mm-hmm. So I was in a youth program called DYN that he set up that was with Brother Mike on the south side on 47th Street, like right by my mama's house. Okay. Um, Brother Mike went on to do the U Media program downtown that uh, I was at as well, but was really very influential to Chance. And, you know, those things that my man Shane Evans and Brother Mike did when we were kids, I believe, planted that seed in us so that now that we're grown and have the ability to, we have carried on that torch of responsibility to pay it forward to the next generation. And so being able to do that in a momentous way such as this um, is, you know, it's, it's inspiring for me, not only inspiring for the kids who are coming to understand themselves and their uh, power and their place globally better by being on the continent, but for me, every time I'm able to break through the barriers of what people feel like is impossible, it strengthens me because Mm -hmm. the narrative is often it's too difficult to go to Africa or it's too dangerous to go to Africa or there's too much poverty, you know. Mm -hmm. There's all of these manufactured, designed um, barriers put up between us and the continent of our origin. So being able to break through those, not only for myself, but for the next generation, um, it just emboldens me and strengthens me and, you know, makes me recognize and realize that, um, you know, the impossible is possible. You've been making a lot of things 
uh, possible. Uh, you've been breaking several barriers. And before I get into this next uh, subject, you know, I got to ask you, is cannabis legal in Africa? Um, Africa is a continent. So they got a lot of different countries. The ones I've been to, it has not been legal. It's mm-hmm. not legal in Ghana. South Africa actually has some cannabis production. And I met some people in South Africa that are growing weed in some brilliant ways. I don't know that it is um, like recreational or medicinally legal. I'm not sure. But they have a mechanism in place that it looks like that's happening, that's on the way. Um, Ghana, no. Let's talk more about cannabis because you, my brother, uh, have your own. Um, you have you have your own ninety three boys. Yes, sir. Uh, premium gas. Uh huh. Now let's this commercial. I remember you released a commercial oh, for it. The, uh, the Tesla at a gas at station. Gas station. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. It is because um, these gas prices is crazy. <laughs> And yeah, that could man. go both ways. Yeah, you know, it's all about the gas, man. Um, it's honestly, it's, it's a dream come true to be launching 93 Boys. Um, we are the first Chicago, Illinois-based mm-hmm. uh, black-owned company to be selling actual flour in the Illinois dispensaries. Um, so I'm very excited about it. And at the same time, it's a travesty that our community is been left out of this process thus far, you know? Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. it's it's deeply offensive and disappointing, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a mixture of emotions. Like, I am personally elated because I started selling weed when I was 14, you know? And even when I was 14, I was focused on having the dope strains, you know? At that time, it was OG, Kush, Master Kush, Jack Herrera, like, and... I was focused on having what was at that time dope packaging. So sometimes if it was a special person I wanted to impress, I would package my eighth or the seven that I was selling them in a Nike SB lace bag. You know what I mean? So I had packaging them. You know what I mean? Um, I had customer service. I had consistency. Like I was focused on that when I was a young teenager. So to be able to do that, that was half of my life ago. You know, Mm -hmm. now I'm 29. So to be able to, um, manifest that into reality on this legal stage is, um, you know, it's, it's nothing short of amazing. Um, and like I said, in the same breath, though, there is so much work to be done and um, so much inequity mm-hmm. in this state that has been presented to us as what was going to be the model of social equity. You know, they created this entire program, the social equity program, to bring the communities most impacted by the war on drugs into the legal cannabis industry. And, you know, up to this point, that's really been a farce and a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the industry has maintained its whiteness. A lot of these communities is, is still not seeing any type of revenue flow from it yeah. uh, and I recently took a tour with uh, my good friend Sherman Dilla Thomas yeah Dilla's uh, the man I'm from the west side and he took me on a tour through uh, North Lundale an area that I stayed in for quite some time holy city what it is and just to I learn gotta, I gotta rap about holy city on the 
on the V tape. I'm trying. I said, "And the Lord's and holy city, and make you do the Holy Ghost, shake you down like Diddy if they suspect you holding dope. And you can't play around in K Town. Let's get down and lay down, bust downs, Greyhounds throwing L's in L Town. Uh, <laughs> but you to be from out south and know West Side so well, man. I salute. You know, you know the classics. The classics we all know. I mean, you know Holy City. You know K Town. You know L Town. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. But he was, uh, you know, just saying how like there hasn't been any major project developments in on the West Side in years. May have been like one within the past ten, and then to go back to you being fourteen, already kind of like being interested in an industry that is now finally legal and making right, right. billion making hundreds of millions and has has now turned into a billion dollar industry. Yeah. Um I got to ask you what what was it for you to even apply to at least, you know, have your own cannabis because that's been a struggle along for all minorities. Yes, yeah, sir. I mean, the application process is expensive, extensive. And exclusive, you know. Um, there are many barriers to even applying that will largely keep our community out in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Because it's like the the uh, capital needed in itself to apply, you know, mm-hmm. um, or the real estate needed to apply for cultivation licenses. So I've applied for all of them. We're still in the process, still working on it with the applications. Um, you know, we're in litigation with one and, you know, another one is in a different space. Um, so, yeah, that application process is uh, is a lot, you know, as it should be, but also it's full of negligence and malpractice mm-hmm. because, you know, there are uh, so many discrepancies in the scoring and, you know, two applications that have identical sections those sections being scored drastically differently, you know, or sections being sent in and then not being scored at all, you know. So people are suing for so many different reasons, as well as the uh, occurrence of blatant corruption, like somebody who works for the group hired to score the applications being a recipient of one of the licenses. And, you know, it's like, Cops getting these licenses and all type of going on. You know, the stuff that was touted as being the social equity program. So it's deep, man. But, um, you know, in the same breath, there are a few people that I'm happy to see in the door that are, that mm-hmm. are so deserving. You know, Edie Moore and her organization, Chicago Normal, been at the forefront of the uh, advocacy for our entering and receiving uh, equity in the cannabis space for many years. And so they got some groups that they got awarded some licenses. I think everything is still tied up right now, Mm -hmm. but they won. There's a brother named Rich Wallace who's on the advocacy side of things. He has uh, an organization called EAT, Equity and Transformation. He's doing some brilliant things right now. He actually has a concert called The Big Payback that – man, people should go support because this concert is all about um, reparations and treating cannabis revenue, tax revenue as reparations. So he's got the big payback concert Friday, August 26th at the Metro. It's a lineup of all legends. It's Twister, Do or Die, Crucial Conflict, Shauna, and 
he's got this really interesting campaign called the Big Payback Campaign, where he's pushing for the cannabis tax revenue to be used as literal cash payment reparations to some different communities that have been the most uh, intensely impacted. And I think it, I think it was like a West Side community that he has first focused on. Um, but yeah, they're called at e a t o r g Chicago on Instagram. And so, you know, there's a lot of good people working on this and who are committed to seeing the black community participate Mm -hmm. and not only participate, but the money made by the state from this industry be used to at least dress some of the wounds that the criminalization of cannabis has caused. You cannot reverse the impact, Mm -hmm. but it's necessary that the harm done be addressed. Speaking of impact, you know, uh, with your 93 boys, flower being available, you, you know, you're interested in, in helping a lot of these communities as well. So what type of impact are you looking to bring to some of these disinvested neighborhoods? Yes, sir, man. You know, the way that we've structured 93 boys is that a portion of our proceeds are going to be going to community-based initiatives. And so the first initiative that we're working on with this launch is something that I'm calling Books Before Bars. And we uh, purchased a large number of books, a bunch of different titles like Malcolm X Autobiography to Asada Shakur to Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, and Octavia Butler and Huey P. Newton and uh, maybe Angela Davis. Um, So we have these books, and right now we're in the process of uh, distributing them to different Illinois jails and prisons. And came across this concept just because I've been sending books into prisons for a decade now and uh, was able to link up with a local black-owned bookstore called Semicolon Books. They operate on Milwaukee in Wicker Park. And um, it's a black woman who is just doing amazing things, and she's been sending books into the prisons. Um, shout out to No Name. She's been doing that, too. And she's out in L.A. with it, too. Yes, uh, she's, she's out there doing that. This woman with semicolon books is doing that over here. And um, so we connected with her, and um, we got the staying rolling. You know, it's not easy to get things in bulk into jails and prisons, but, um, you know, we're we're in the process of it, and we have the books in hand already. And uh, I'm excited about this program because— I've seen personally the enormous transformative potential of the right book at the right time for an incarcerated person. Like I've sent books to friends of mine who were facing life, you know, and just seeing how the right book was able to completely transform his perspective and his mind and turn this like hard and street dude who's a warrior by nature, but turn his like, energy into like a force for positive you know mm-hmm. and um, man I probably sent my guy his name is um, Hunter Roncado he's a he's a brilliant rapper amazing um, from Boston so when he got locked up about a year ago I started sending him books and first one I sent him was this little book called The Game of Life and How to Play It it's a metaphysics book from the 1920s just about like spiritual law and you know the uh 
ways to live by it and how to get everything you want without having a scam for none of it. You know what I mean? Literally just by conditioning your mind and your actions so that you're a magnet for the things you want. And uh, I gave him this little book and I read it at the same time and it changed my whole perspective on everything. And over the next eight months while he was locked up, eight, nine months, I probably sent him somewhere from like 30 to 40 books. And he was just devouring them. And, you know, the content of our conversations, everything began to change, you know, because before that it was like he was so caught up in his street life that it was like, man, you know, that's all he want to talk about is ops and, you know, mops. All the stuff that's going on over there, you know. And I just saw I saw this insane transformation in the brother over this, you know, eight, nine months, all by books, man. Um to the point where I very well believe that he manifested that bail that was given to him, mm. and given to him, and he got up out that joint. And um, you know what I mean. So as I was working on Ninety Three Boys and developing an, an initiative to launch the company with, this stood out to me because the criminalization of cannabis has been used to steal freedom from so many of us. People are still locked up to this day too. Alan Russell in Mississippi just received a life sentence in 2019 for an ounce of weed, which was just recently upheld in the appeals court in the last month or two. Um, That's what we up against. And this criminalization of cannabis has been used to rob so many of us of our freedom. And the most impactful ways I've found of bringing freedom to uh, anybody, but an incarcerated person in particular, is through books. That's brought me so much freedom. And that's what I I actually want to ask you. What book changed your mentality? The first book that changed my life is definitely the autobiography of Malcolm X. You know, like so many of us. That book is what gave language, perspective, and context to the things that I subconsciously knew to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, the just the, the lifetime of uh, racism and oppression that we all experience being of African descent, you know, not just in America, but globally. But Malcolm X is really speaking to you and giving it to you straight about the experience here and making things click and make sense to me. You know, I'm like, oh, so is my kindergarten teacher, you know, putting me in the developmentally challenged class. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm understanding that these are age old stereotypes and patterns that They've been pulling, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, Malcolm X Autobiography, that's the first book that really, really changed yeah, like, my life, you know? At the end of the day, books are very powerful. And they say if you want to hide something from a person, put, put it in a, in a book. <laughs> you already they say know. you want to hide something from a <laughs> put it in a book. That's what I they say. I don't correct. know. You probably got to beep this out, but... <laughs> You know, let's take it back to 93 Boys because we spoke on the application process. Yeah. Do you feel like with you being a public figure that kind of gave you a jump on things? Um. Yeah, I, I think that undoubtedly, you know, I've got um, certain privileges by having been making music for so long. Um, and, you know, I think that I've come to realize that with those privileges and those opportunities that I have that, you know, it's important to shine a light on other people that maybe don't have the same 
up, you know, the mm-hmm. same leg up that um that that I have at times, you know what I mean? So that's why I think I really would like to amplify my guy Rich Wallace who's doing um the concert at the Metro on August 26th and his EAT organization and people like that. Where are some of the places that people can purchase this flower and how many choices and selections do they have? And You know, what are some of the products? Yeah, 100%. So currently we are in quite a few dispensaries in the city and state and rapidly growing. We're in Dispensary 33, which is very central in the city. It's on Randolph and Racine, basically. They have a location up north. We are also in the only Southside dispensary. Big shout out to Mission Dispensary. They're on 86 and commercial. Honestly, it's my, like my favorite dispensary in the city. Um, they also have a location, Calumet City. It's like across the street from River Oaks. Wow. It was nostalgic when I pulled up there. The other day. <laughs> um, we're in a dispensary called Rise Mundelein, which is like one of the highest foot traffic uh, spots in the state because it's on the intersection of multiple states. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it might be a couple more right now, but those are like our core base. You know what I mean? It's Mission out south. Big shout out to the only south side dispensary. Um, D33, which is very central and also just like one of the freshest spots in the city. And the product range is like we have pre-rolls mm-hmm. that went in the stores in 420 right around 420, Um, and those are like different strain blends. So there's like an indica Indica dominant blend, there's one called the Pit Stop Jump Start, sativa dominant blend. Um, Now right now, our full strain portfolio, um, our debut three strains are in the stores. They've all been purchased by the stores. I think they're currently in the process of being menued. There's uh, there's one called the Lotto. There's another one called Super Donuts, and there's a Jet Fuel OG. See, Super Donuts, I got that off. Okay. It wasn't trying to let us. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't do stuff that's like candy and shit. You know oh, what a Super yeah. Donut is? Yeah, I do. I, I do. Said, that was they were delicious. Oh my god! <laughs> and they was delicious when they was hot and oh warm. My god. You bring it back high well, school you know, we memories. Super donuts and that <laughs> on, bro. <laughs> you said menu. What like what can you further elaborate on what is, you know, what's being menued? Yeah, so right now it's the uh the actual flower. We've been had the pre-rolls in stores since 420. Right now, the eighths, the flower eighths are purchased by the stores and are gonna be on the floor in the next few days as they okay. get put on the menu. Also the Vape cartridges, those are there too. All of this sounds like you said an extensive process, and for you all to honestly get the job done, man, I gotta I apply you it, because man. being black and then knowing what we have to go through and how so many people got locked up for cannabis, and then seeing that you know you're one of the first, and then doing it in the right way, where you're showcasing it and letting people know we can we can do this, we can infiltrate, I mean infiltrate the industry. There is some, you know, some obstacles, yeah. but we can do this and we have to show the city how to do right with the money. And in all honesty, man, more of us just need to apply for that money. Mm. There uh, is something called the R3 program. It's like reinvest, renew, and something else that starts with an R. And so it's a 
an earmarked amount of the tax revenue from cannabis that is um, set up to be used for investment into the black community. Now, has it been going to the right hands? I'm not sure. But in all honesty and all fairness, I didn't apply with my nonprofit yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's something that we we need to do because it's like as a community, it's going to be on us to demand that this money is used in the right ways. You know, the city is not just going to give it to the that need it. You know what I mean? Like, you got to demand it. We have to demand it. That's the only way this thing is going to go how we need it to go. Are you open to uh, feedback? You know, for those that try the product, is there a way they can yeah, leave yeah, feedback? Sure. And, uh, what, what's some ways they can reach out to leave that feedback? Um, Man, you know, DM me. DM me or follow 93boys on Instagram. That would be the, bre- the best place to uh, leave feedback. And so that's at 93boyz, no space. Because it's weed, Instagram gets kind of weird, and it's kind of shadow banned. So you got to type it the right way. It's at 93boys on Instagram. That's the best place to uh, leave feedback if there's anything you need. You know what I mean? If something wasn't right or something was Perfect. Let us know. 93 boys on Just place. Real as they come. Where I'm from, I'm the trellis one. Raised by the dealers in the village slum. Unemployment's high. It's harder to get a gig than to get a gun. They ain't got no workshop class, so the kids drill for fun. You hear me? I know the killers well, no free willy. They make a BS go by the you for some free chili. Woo! I can't lose. I got a lot with me. It's just me and Ferrari Shepard up in that 550. God sent me.